until I guess I was in Korea. I, I don't think until then, really, because um, studios that I worked with always said, remember one thing, you're no star. <laughs> Sometimes people want to see if you're real. to you, towards you, for some kind of, uh, something that's, I guess, away from their everyday life. I guess you call that entertainment, huh? And we all lose our sound in the end. Hi, I'm Nina Bosky, and welcome to the launch of American Icon Radio. Excited to be here as we have an action-packed show. You know, many of you have followed us on Goodnight Maryland Radio know that we have been talking a lot about Maryland's life and death. Well, before we get started, though, I have to do our shout-outs, because as soon as people knew that we were doing the radio show, of course, they wanted, can you give me a shout-out? Can you give me a shout-out through social media? So we're going to do it through the radio show. Melinda from Yucca Valley, California. Karen from South Shields in the UK. Nathalie from Arnhem in the Netherlands. Marco in Rome, Italy. And Tina in San Diego, California. Well, as you know, being a Maryland fan, most of you are divided. Half of you believe that Marilyn was murdered or had some type of foul play that was involved. And the other half think that she was overdosed or she overdosed or outright committed suicide. But because of our investigation and the things that we've uncovered in the prior shows, we now have enough evidence for us to create an entirely new series that addresses the life and death of Marilyn as it relates to her addiction and mental health. Well, we are currently in pre-production of our first documentary about iconic celebrities. Our first in the series is on, of course, the legendary Marilyn Monroe. She is front and center once again. The documentary tells the story of Icon's life from the perspective of mental illness and addiction with the objective of inspiring and expanding the legacy that gives their gives a lot of meaning to that star's life. And uh, we'll also be profiling everyday, you know, the everyday person with a mirrored diagnosis, and we'll highlight their journey. The goal is that no matter who you are, we're all human and we're all going through issues. In addition to the film series, we're also launching American Icon Radio, which is what you're listening to right now. And part of the discussion is to give a lot of support and resources. So this is really, this is a cross-platform to really build a community here for people that really need help and also to be inspired by a celebrity's life. You know, in the film as well as the, the radio show, we're going to be profiling, profiling current <laughs> celebrities who are or have faced addiction or mental illness in their life. And we have the wonderful Tim Story, who's a celebrity life coach, who's, who's you know, coached people from Kanye West to Robert Downey Jr. to Brad Pitt, you name it. He has uh, been with those celebrities to help them make their comeback. And Marilyn was really a unique individual because she lived in a time that no one really ever really co correlated mental illness with addiction. 
And even today, we know so much more, and yet we have not come very far in preventing or healing some of the areas around addiction and mental illness. There's still a lot of stigma, and that's what one of our main goals is to change that and change that today and through this radio show and the film series. So with that said, let's introduce my co-executive producer and co-creator, Dana Kent. We've been on quite a journey in this project, (laughs) and I love the fact that you have this wonderful personal passion about this story as it relates to Marilyn, too. Hi, Dana. Hello. Good morning, everybody. Okay, so just to share a a little history on how we got here, a little more, um, in addition to what Nina just said. Uh, American Icon really has been an evolution for us, okay? And our journey really did start on the Good Night Marilyn radio show because it's where Marilyn Monroe always inspired us all to go after our dreams. That was the beginning of the launch of everything, which has been the the best part of Marilyn in our lives. You know, so in the beginning, you know, we looked at her story and celebration of who she was. And then we started to sort of venture down that investigative path that, that Nina was referring to. Because, honestly, we just all really wanted to get to the real truth of her life and her death. And that's what that whole radio show had had focused on. But as we started venturing down that path, we started to focus on her mental illness and addiction and actually began to see how relatable her struggles could be to other people in their lives. And to tell you the truth, it humanized her. I mean, it humanized her in a way that we realized that telling her story from this perspective could actually expand her legacy to a place of purpose, like Nina said, and profound inspiration. Okay, so as we continued in this and we started evolving more, that's, that's the time that we decided to profile a person with a mirror diagnosis as our icon and sort of have the audience experience that person's journey with our partnered wellness group to help bring them guidance and ultimately hope in their own life. Because as we will go into this radio show and probably bring up more about these personal stories, hope is the deal. Hope and guidance is really what everybody needs. And when you talk about something that's relatable, you do humanize things. You do bring us all together, which is why this will be profound in this way, particularly from an icon and as it relates to everyday people. And Dana, we're going to have you on later in the show because I also want to, um, I think your story is very relatable in terms of a personal story that you have as well. And And I'd love to have you back later in the show to talk about that. So um, just to give you a little insight, again, you know, we're dealing with some tough stuff here. um, And America, you know, American Icon Radio is designed designed to give inspiration and let us all know that we're in this together. So Randall Libero, you and I started this back in Scottsdale, Arizona at the Biltmore Hotel, right? Yeah, we did. We sure did. And Marilyn was there too. There was an art exhibition and she was all over the walls, giant 40 foot painting. So it was kind of, a, yeah. I think, kind of a sign. <laughs> well, it was a sign, and it's yeah. so funny. I don't think we knew. And Randall Libero, for those of you who just tuning in, don't know who he is. Not only was he the executive producer of Goodnight Maryland Radio, but he's a senior executive over at Voice America. He was like, you know, we both had this interest in doing the show, and I don't think we ever knew at the time the power and the reach that this woman has on a global basis, right? It's, a, yeah, it's really. And, and can yeah, I just add yeah. this too? And given the timing of this world stage, you know, think about it, guys. This drug epidemic, healthcare legislature. What better way to make a difference than through the story of an icon? I mean, seriously, when you think about impacting change and how it can influence people and inspire people, an icon story for everybody could be the vehicle. And that's why exactly. the timing of all of this is so 
perfect. Yeah. It's really amazing that 55 years later, Marilyn Monroe is more popular today than she ever was in, in her own life. I mean, more people know who she is, and she's, I mean, every, there isn't a, a month that goes by that I don't see her on the cover of a magazine. She's still making covers. I think she's oh, got yeah. the record for that of all time, yeah, appearing, on, appearing on magazine covers. But I think it's really important that, um, you know, we touch so many people all over the world, I mean, from not only here in the United States, uh, but in Canada, and uh, South America, Europe, Australia, the, the Far East, uh, India, I mean, everywhere. <laughs> the Goodnight Marilyn show has touched, and there's so many people, and not only just the fans, but some people who really didn't know her story, and we had a lot of time to delve into that. But the really important thing today, I think, you know, our purpose was to uncover the true story of Marilyn and to inspire and help support other people uh, who are – you know, who are at that point in their lives where her story can make a difference for them. And I think this is, as it relates especially to celebrities today and people who are in the spotlight, that what happens to them and how they deal with things that personally affect them because, you know, just about anybody today has that moment that they're in the spotlight and especially celebrities are always in the spotlight. And what it takes to be able to maintain that and be able to you know, do, you know, keep the professional demeanor and, and work and, and either act or, you know, and do And also be things. real. Yeah. And it's be, hard to and be vulnerable. Yeah, be real relatable. people. That's right. right. So Marilyn, Marilyn was the first person, and we are now expanding that story to a whole new, <clears throat> to a whole new audience in terms of the, the hidden story of her own mental struggles with her own mental issues. Yeah, and addiction, and I think it's such, it's so up right now, and I feel such a calling, you know, being a transformational leader myself, I am really passionate about this subject, because we're talking about it, and I think that's wonderful, but we got to start doing something about it, and we've got a man that's coming up in just a little bit, uh, some expert guests, and some people that we are talking to, to really make a change down in the, the, the trenches that are really saving lives, and that's what we're designed to do in this show in the series and helping you with resources and support. So thank you so much, Randall, for being on the show and giving us a little highlight, too, of where we've come from. And Dana, you'll be back with us later in the hour as well. So uh, thanks again. I'm Nina Bosky. You're listening to American Icon Radio, where healing meets life as we talk about the life and death of Marilyn Monroe. By 1955, Marilyn Monroe was the world's most talked about movie star. Another handsome trophy to add to her ever-growing collection. It's a great thrill. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Sam. And my thanks to Look Magazine. But after 25 films, the ambitious 29-year-old was hungry to achieve much more than big screen stardom. She said, I don't care about money, I just want to be wonderful. And by wonderful, she meant just the best that she could be and respected as an actress. In 1955, the frustrated Marilyn stunned Hollywood by walking out of her contract at 20th Century Fox. Shock turned to ridicule when Monroe traveled to New York to study at the prestigious actor's studio. And when she met serious actors in New York, she realized that there was a world waiting for her. At the studio, the insecure star fell under the influence of its strong-willed co-founder, Lee Strasberg. He encouraged Monroe to use her own experiences and emotions in performing. And after weeks with Strasberg, Marilyn grew more convinced of her potential as an actress. Projecting a newfound confidence, Marilyn returned to Los Angeles, 
armed with a series of demands for 20th Century Fox, she formed her own production company and insisted that the studio give her director approval. Desperate to bring the Maryland magic back to the screen, Fox gave in. And Fox did give in, and she was quite a powerful presence. And another powerful presence is the CEO of America's Rehab Campuses, Mike Ziprich. He has joined in with American Icon as our partner to help save lives and bring a huge awareness to this very complex and challenging issue. You know, according to the CDC, 91 people every day from 1999 to 2014 die from opiates. 91 people. Sales have quadrupled. On that note, welcome to the show, Mike. Good morning, Nina, or afternoon, or evening, wherever all these people are at. <laughs> How are you today? Well, yeah, well, why why did you get involved in this type of project? This is a little bit unusual for uh, a rehab facility to get involved like this. Well, you know, the biggest problem that uh, I think is uh, happening is that this epidemic is now being displayed all over the news and discussed all over the newspapers and magazines and front pages, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and when we met Nina, the interesting thing I thought with, with, with your Marilyn Monroe program, and then ultimately all these other American icons is the fact that, that the, uh, the outreach and the ability to allow uh, people to understand where there is treatment available for them without being, um, being driven into some kind of a, uh, a, a program that is just nothing but a, a media blitz. There's all, there's a, it's like anything in this country, you know, the minute all of a sudden some new, new thing hits the marketplace, everybody wants to do it and you bring out all of the evil as well as the good. And so with that problem, uh, I thought this was a great way to get direct contact with the fans and the, and the people that have, had people in their lives that have been impacted by this horrible epidemic that really sort of snuck up on everybody. I mean, even though it was obviously in, it was actually happening as as late as 55 years ago. And after you hear what Dr. Dimon has to say today, it started all the way back in 3400 BC. So that's one of the reasons I think that we can help make a difference for for your fans and for anybody that you want to spread the word about this situation. You know, and what I love about this is because we could do a film documentary and just do the documentary and it gets the awareness out and gets people thinking, right? The radio show does the same thing, but by building a community and having it on the ground level, like going to get help, giving people resources, right, to be able to help is so wonderful. You shared a couple of success stories recently with me, and I just want to read um, one of them that says, you know, by you helping my son, not only did you realize, but inadvertently you helped three other people. Myself, my boyfriend quit using, so Manny, that's her son, would have a better environment when he got home. I kicked two people out of my house for the same reason. The last one, but most important person you helped is my 11-year-old daughter. She went in and she uh, lived with her grandmother because of all this drug use. And now what's happened in the first couple of months since, you know, for a couple of months now, she has not been with her daughter. And now 
she is finally back with her daughter. She said, I finally had the best day yet for the last five years. I spent the day with both of my kids. I got a new phone. Nothing exciting about the phone itself, but it was the picture I took when I turned around. I haven't had both of my kids sitting so relaxed next to each other in such a long time. You got us started in the right direction powerful because we can talk about it all day long, but you're doing something about it, Mike. And uh, you at America's Rehab Campuses and ARC looking at the holistic aspect of addiction, not just looking at it from just one one part. And just want to say thank you so much for being a part of this journey with us. Well, we're excited about it. And um, whatever we're doing is as you know, Nina, you've got testimony after testimony after testimony of people that have got their lives back, their their daughters back, their sons back, their husbands, their wives, their mothers, their fathers. I mean, yep. this disease has no mercy. It doesn't matter whether you're rich, poor, homeless, living in a $20 million house. When it attacks, it attacks, and it doesn't hurt, doesn't care who it kills or who it ruins their lives. So... Uh, you have to be prepared to manage every situation differently, and that's what we do over here at ARC. So you definitely, uh, and, and uh, there's more to come. Marilyn Monroe is our first icon. Yeah, Marilyn Monroe is our first icon. We'll go on to other icons, and we're building a community here. So thank you so much for stopping by today and giving us your input. It really means a lot, and uh, we'll be back right after this. I'm Nina Bosky, and you're listening to American Icon Radio. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are, or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have a nationally known guest that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific. Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to American Icon Radio. I'm Nina Bosky. 
This season's American icon profile is the legendary Marilyn Monroe. She was such a wonderful icon to profile because everyone can relate to her. You know, she has fans from all over the world. You know, I see right now on social media that Germany is chiming in. So, hello, Alex. You just sent us a Facebook message. Um says how much he loves the show. Well, we love you too. And Diane from Flagstaff, uh, so glad you guys are all back from uh, all back on the radio. That's what she says. So we are glad to be back on the radio. This is going to be such a transformational radio show in so many ways, and I'm so excited about it. We're all so excited about it. So here are some interesting facts. Two million Americans 12 years and older are addicted to prescription pain relievers. In 2010, doctors' pharmacy prescribed enough opiates for every person in America to have a supply for one month. Did you hear what I just said on that? So we have a long way to go. 300 annual opiate prescriptions each year. 300 million, sorry, 300 million. So do you see what we're all dealing with here? 60% 60 of deaths are involved with opiate prescriptions. My next two guests will speak to this subject as well as break down Marilyn's pathology and deal with her addiction. We're dealing with it head on, guys. This is not going to be one of those shows that just, oh, isn't this nice and fluffy? You know what? We have some real issues to solve, and we've got to start solving them. It really is one of those things that impacts not you know, six degrees of separation, but one degree most of the time. So with that said, Gary Vitaco Robles has a unique quality as he's a mental health professional and he works in the area of mental health. He knows a lot about suicide. He's also the author of one of the most highly regarded credible, credible books about Marilyn Monroe, and he is part of our earlier investigation shows. The, his book is The Lifetimes and Films of Marilyn Monroe, Volumes 1 and 2, Gary Vitaco Robles, oh my gosh, we have so much to talk about. Mary Jane Gray, Leslie Kasperowitz, and April Via Via, who also part of the investigation show, will be highlighted as we go on to other shows. And you know, Marilyn, the person, not just the star, will break it down once again as we deal with the life and death of Marilyn. So welcome to the show, Gary. Thank you, Nina. Good to be back. Thank you. So let's get right into it. Boy, after we started to dig into that 641-page 1982 yeah. DA report, we started to learn a lot about Marilyn and the pathology of Marilyn. Give us a little bit of some of the, the highlights. I know them, but I know you know you probably know them a lot better than I do. Well, yes. Uh, Dr. Cyril Weck was our medical expert, and he helped us understand that Marilyn likely died between 11.30 at night and 1.30 in the morning. And he described to us the slow, agonized death process, which probably allowed for the metabolizing of pills. Uh, she went into a coma, most likely. Her heartbeat became irregular, and... Um, she died over a period of time, and this was supported by the high level of drugs that were in her liver that um, gave us information that she had been metabolizing that medication over a period of time. And we, we ruled out an injection or an enema as other possible means of the overdose um, due to the concentration of, of drugs that were found in the liver and not the drug and not the bloodstream. And, well, um, and, and Gary, you know, here's the thing. 
is a lot of people, I don't know about you, but I know when somebody says and knows that we're doing a Marilyn Monroe project, they go into, oh my God, I know what happened to her. You know, it was because of, you know, the the crystals in her stomach or that she had an injection or the enema in the, in, you know, in the sheets and all that stuff that we're going to address, obviously, in the documentary and here on the show once again. But it's hard for people to change their mind about what they hear, which is not necessarily the truth. And also what's missing, because all these other things are just distractions from what was really going on. And this was a woman who had survived pretty severe childhood trauma, complex trauma. And she likely suffered from multiple psychiatric diagnoses that put her at risk for uh, substance misuse and suicide. And, and that's, really, that's really the story about Marilyn. You can't really appreciate her unless you tell her, her story within the context of her being a very resilient woman, a very strong woman who overcame such adversity, including these diagnoses and their symptoms, because uh, she experienced them during a time we, when we didn't know much about them and the treatment interventions were, were just so primitive. Exactly. And I think that's one of the keys. So one of the things we're going to do in the documentary, and I think it's really important because a lot of times in these documentaries, you'll you'll see this talking head and they'll give their expert opinion. But in our case, we're going to bring in two of the leading forensic pathologists. Uh, Gary mentioned Dr. Cyril Weck. And just to give you some highlight for people that may not know who they are, both both Dr. Bad and Dr. Weck, uh, they served on the House Select Committee on the Assassinations and the Forensic Pathology Panel for the Investigation of John F. Kennedy. Um, Also, Dr. Weck uh, consulted on the 1968 Robert F. Kennedy assassination, the 1969 Sharon Tate and La Bianca Manson murders. Remember that? Elvis Presley, John Benet Ramsey, Lacey Peterson, Anna Nicole Smith. Uh, Dr. Baden had his own show on HBO um, uh, around autopsies. He served for the trial of O.J. Simpson, John Belushi, Phil Spector, uh, David Carradine, to among the two. So these two will be talking about the forensic pathology that Gary is mentioning here. And we're going to bring on Dr. Uh, Len Dittmanson. He's the chief medical officer of America's rehab campuses in Tucson. He is deeply involved in the recent methamphetamine and heroin epidemics for the last 15 years and also is an expert in the history of opiates. Um, He knows a lot about the subject. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Nina. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. Warm, warm, warm greetings from the desert. Yes, yes. Well, I'm sure it's going to be warm too. It's still still warm, warm in these parts. So, um, you know, this is insane. If you look at some of these statistics, one in seven persons who refill receive a refill are addicted a year later. Forty times more addicted opiates than heroin. By the third day of addiction, people can become addicted, a third day of of, um, taking a medication, they will become addicted. And women, addiction has increased more than 400% between 99 and 2010. What is going on, Dr. D? I call him Dr. D, Dr. Dittmanson. What's going on here? Wow, it's a big question, Nina, and this is why my (laughs) wife doesn't take me to parties, because this is all I talk about anymore. (laughs) You know, Nina, America, the United States, needs to wake up to the reality that we have a war in the homeland, and thousands and thousands of people are dying every day because of this epidemic. 
during the seven years of the Vietnam War, we lost 53,000 service members. And every year now we lose 55 to 60,000 people from opiate overdoses. And that's, that's just the tip of the iceberg. So this is an epidemic of unparalleled uh, dimensions, and we really need to address this from all aspects of our society and uh, of government and the treatment community, and no one, no one component of those uh, assets can, can deal with this. So it's so timely that we're drawing back to 1962 when Marilyn Monroe, one of the most beautiful icons in American celebrity, uh, passed away from the consequences of drug addiction and drug overdose. And here we are, 55 years later, facing even greater epidemic than at that time. Yeah. And, you know, Gary, um, what uh, what was uh, 47 Nembutal? Was that correct that she had in her system? Yeah, that, was they speculate about 47 Nembutal and maybe around 17 to 20 chloral hydrate, two medications that are contraindicated with each other being prescribed by the same physician, dangerous in that combination. And when you and I want to address this, Doctor D, because Doctor Reef Kareem talked about this as well in one of our prior shows. You know, you have a you know a celebrity, and even back then, I know they were in 1962. They were just handing out pills, somewhat similar to what's going on today, right? 900 pills, guys. 900 pills. 700 of them two months before she died. And so, you know, we'll we'll give them credit in the fact that it's 1962. That's kind of the sign of the times, right? But Dr. D, did Dr. Engelberg, given the fact that he was a medical doctor at the time, he should have known that nebutal and chloral hydrate were deadly, deadly combination of each other, right? Well, Nina, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Unfortunately, uh, there's a big history in the United States, uh, in, in the medical community, of using medications to treat symptoms as opposed to trying to understand what is causing the symptom and going to the root cause. So we have a culture that is oriented towards a quick fix of a problem, mostly through the use of medications. And in the 1960s, a new drug known as diazepam or Valium was the number one prescribed drug in America. Fast forward 55 years, and now the number one drug prescribed in America are the class of opioids. So we're a culture that has become accustomed to using medications to alleviate symptoms rather than trying to understand what is driving and causing the symptom in the first place. It, well, the, we, the quickest way we to have, get a patient out ahead. of your office is to give them a prescription for something, and often those prescriptions are highly addictive and highly dangerous in terms of the combinations that you, we've been talking about of um, drugs that interact in such ways that they can cause uh, lethal consequences. So did Dr. Engelberg, he would have known better, right? Break it down. Well, He should have known better. He was... Well, he was trained in the same in the same structure of what doctors are trained today. 
But seven hundred sleeping pills and nine hundred two months before you you pass away, isn't there still even in nineteen sixty two some responsibility to that? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And yeah. On any given day, doctors need to take responsibility for every single <laughs> prescription they they write. And I and I and, think the reason the why day, I'm making this point, we can't go back to nineteen sixty two, but we surely can in two thousand seventeen. We actually have a caller. Bonnie um, is on with us. Uh, Bonnie, are you there? Hey, I am in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, Phoenix. Well, boy, we got a lot. Maybe it's the everybody knew that uh, we we're going to be on uh, from uh, Arizona, so you're uh, calling in. Um, what's your question today? Um, so, in your earlier investigation, um, you had mentioned that Marilyn could have overdosed. Um, so, if this is true, why weren't there any crystals in her stomach? That seems to be a question a lot of people have as far as, you know, what contents were in her stomach. Um, okay, so Gary, I'm going to have you answer that from our investigation, and I'm going to have Dr. D comment on it. Um, sure. Well, I'm not a medical expert, but I, I know that the medications um, are designed to absorb quickly into the body so that they work. They don't lay in the stomach like food might lay. So we, we know that Marilyn died over a long period of time, and her body was able to metabolize the pills and absorb them, and a high concentration, a very high level, was found in her liver. Um, so that, that kind of supported that, that we wouldn't find um, the residue. And her body was kind of used to uh, absorbing this medication as well, and we know that, that she hadn't had much, if any, food to eat that day. So the medications were taken uh, on an empty stomach. So let's, uh, Dr. D, would you address kind of uh, the additional, uh, what Gary was speaking to, too? Because this is one of the biggest rumors we get is, why isn't there any residue? Why isn't there any crystals? And so um, if you could address that as well. Sure. I totally agree with Gary that from a forensic standpoint, A, you know, that was 1962, and the technology of forensics uh, was not what it is today. B, Things in the body don't just stop at the point of death. Uh, there's still metabolic activity and digestive activity that, that happens, you know, as it does, you know, when you put something in, in the garbage disposal. Things don't just stop. But I, I'll say something about addiction that is really important. Sometimes when people are totally consumed with the effects of these addictive substances that lead to changes in mood and affect and your state of mind. It's not so much that people are actively suicidal, but because of the misery of dependency and addiction, the line between being alive and not being alive becomes blurred by just the hopelessness of Nothing good can come. And I believe that a lot of people who struggle with severe addiction and dependency, it's not so much an active, I want to take my life, but more a passive, it doesn't matter if I live or die. And so the amount of drugs consumed goes higher and higher, and that line of ambiguity about what is it that I'm here for or why are we here and starts, what does starts it matter if I die becomes more and more an issue. 
Well, I want to say thank you so much for being on this segment, both of you, uh, Gary Vitaka-Robles and Dr. Dittmanson. He is the medical chief medical officer at America's Rehab Campuses. They're doing a lot of good work over there. And, uh, you know, we're going to have you back, obviously, because this is a bigger subject. And I just wanted you, uh, you know, both, both of you to really highlight some of the areas that we're really going to get into, um, sleep deprivation, too, that also affects it as well. So thank you both for being on on the show. Gary, you'll join us in the next segment. Dr. D, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Nina. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Dr. D. All right, everybody. You're listening to American Icon Radio. I'm Nina Bosky, and we'll be back right after this. Let's see. I don't think there's 12, but there were quite a few because I was going to stay with these people from New Orleans, and... um, then suddenly I was taken to the orphan's home, so counting the orphan's home. You want me to count all of them? Three. You see, some places I lived, uh, I was taken there at the end of the school term, and they were planning to keep me, but then after the summer they'd had enough. <laughs> or for whatever reason, and then I was taken to another place, so that's why there's so many. I know I went to six different grammar schools. You know, that's uh, that's before you're in the uh, seventh grade. But I moved back to a place where I had stayed, so that would make 11 different moves, but 10, 10 counting me off until. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are, or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific. Pacific time here on voiceamerica.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests and new happenings at the voice America talk radio network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. because I'd look over and I'd see RKO and I knew my mother had worked there and she'd been a cutter there and all the kids were asleep 
I used to sit up in the window at night and uh, as I say when everyone was asleep and I when I went there to work uh, during clash by night I stood there and I wanted to see back to, to, to see if I could see the orphanage but you can't it's too many sound stages in the way and office buildings and homes oh by the way I slept in a room with 27 beds because uh, they, they say some other number I know I read it because you had to work your way to the honor bed you start with one well really the 27th bed and you had to work your way down and around and and then you could work yourself into the other dormitory which had fewer beds but I got there once but uh, once I was putting on my shoes and the matron said go downstairs I'm tying my shoe she says back to the 20th Hi, I'm Nina Bosky, and you're listening to American Icon Radio. And all hour, we're talking about Marilyn Monroe, addiction, and mental health. This seg- this uh, segment, we're going to start to highlight Marilyn's mental illness. You know, this is an important part of the show because I don't know if everybody knows this, but 20% of the population in any given year will have some type of mental illness aspect to their lives. So this affects, just so you know, 50 million Americans. So this isn't something that we can just lightly talk about. We're not dealing with it. There's a huge stigma. There's complications. You know, you have people on the high end that might, if they have a mental illness or addiction, they'll go to a high-end rehab. Or if you have the lower-end poverty, there's government uh, types of programs. But we are really stuck in the middle. There's nothing preventative. We've got to get to a point where we start dealing with this proactively, guys, not reactively. And we're living in a reactively uh, reactive society. You know, as Dana pointed out uh, earlier in the hour, is that the world stage right now, we're highlighting a lot of old systems are being broken down. We've got to cut through the inertia. And that's one of the reasons why I think this show is really, really important because mental illness affects all races, ages, groups, teens, mothers, veterans, homeless, you know, you name it, right? Could you imagine if we really did something that was much more preventative? I have a shout out right now to the Wellbeing Trust. Um, they have an initiative too. And, you know, we're all in this together. It takes a village. It's not Nina Bosky on the radio or Dana Kent or Gary Vitaco Robles or Mike Ziprich or Dr. D, right? It's all of us coming together. And the Wellbeing Trust is a national foundation committed to playing a leadership role in the intersection of mental health and wellness. And they have a wonderful campaign out there where they're targeting teenagers. 3,740 uh, 3, teenagers attempt suicide each year. Okay? We have to do something. So they have a social media campaign right now going out. It's called Be Well. It's a youth me- uh, youth movement, very stri- straightforward vo- message. You can go uh, hashtag Be Well and find out more about it uh, with the uh, Wellbeing Trust. So just a shout out to them because we all have to work together to solve this problem. So with that said, Gary Vitaka Robles, you're back. Dana Kent, you're back. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about in this subject, right, guys? We sure do. So, Gary, let's dive right into Marilyn um, and her family genetics and history because, as you know, being a mental health professional yourself, 
Um, your family history does play a part in, uh, and especially in the legacy of Marilyn. So let's talk about a little bit about her family history. Oh, absolutely. Family history is a strong risk factor for both schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. And we know that these disorders tend to aggregate in in families, and and we find them in Marilyn's maternal family. We've been able to trace back to her maternal great-grandfather, Tilford Hogan, who took his own life by by hanging. And um, although we don't know much about him and uh, the ability for him to be diagnosed, we know that suicide is often the manifestation of a much more serious psychiatric disorder disorder. And his daughter was Marilyn's grandmother, uh, Della, and she was diagnosed in the late 20s with manic depressive psychosis, which today we know is uh, part of the bipolar spectrum, and she was institutionalized. And uh, Della's daughter, Gladys, was Marilyn's mother, and she was diagnosed with schizophrenia, and she spent most of her life in state institutions and hospitals because, of course, this was before the advent of antipsychotic drugs and mood-stabilizing drugs to treat these disorders. We also and know Gary, of a, of a, And Gary, a, just to stop you for just a second, and I just want to stop you because I think this is where we get into trouble. I know I have clients that have um, mental illness in their family legacy, and it's almost like they don't want to deal with it because, oh my God, I don't want to be ill. I don't want to be ill. And so... I just want to point out to anybody who may be listening, it's just like if you were to have diabetes or if you had uh, cancer or if you had a, a broken arm, it's okay to get help and get treatment. So I just wanted to point that out because a lot of people get very scared when they start learning about their, their family history. Go ahead. And yeah, and to piggyback on that, today, you know, there are so many very effective treatment options. So when we look at Marilyn's day and her family's day, there were, there were huge limits. We know so much now about brain chemistry. We have medications and therapies that are very, very effective. So there's no reason to live with, with emotional pain because there's so much help out there that will work and change your life. Well, yeah, and, I and, think that- and let's let's talk a little bit about this because a lot of people when they when they talk about Marilyn Monroe, they might say, "Oh, what a tragic figure! Oh my gosh, she was so messed up." We now know that Marilyn, the day she died, did not have an ounce of alcohol in her. What would be her diagnosis today, if we if we were to diagnose her today? Well, you know, there's a lot of mental health professionals that have some agreement around this. You know, a posthumous diagnosis is difficult, but there's so many red flags in her life and so many symptoms that that it's possible to piece this together. And I definitely mm-hmm. believe that she fell on the bipolar disorder spectrum because that disorder uh, includes episodes of major depression, and she certainly had that. She had episodes where she was hopeless and um, unable to function and having thoughts of suicide. So she definitely had the the depressive illness, and um, at times it seems that she experienced the the other side of bipolar, which is having the manic or hypomanic episodes. And sometimes this is more difficult to determine because people recognize typically when they're depressed, um, but hypomanic episodes... There's like an elevated or expansive mood, and it almost would feel like, well, maybe the depression is lifting. So someone might think that that would be their normal mood state, not necessarily thinking that it could be a form of hypomania. And it sometimes comes across as an irritability, an impulsivity, uh, an agitation, having poor judgment, or also being very creative and having great energy and being um, charming and interactive with others. 
and she certainly certainly was creative. We heard this story when we were doing uh, the prior radio show from Douglas Kirkland, who's a famous photographer of Marilyn. If you ever see her in this black and white with her with her in the sheets, it's a beautiful, sexy photo. And remember what he said? She was so charismatic. He was in his twenties. He just had such a wonderful time with her. She loved what they were doing, and he was supposed to go a few days later and show her the the negative so she could pick out which one she really liked and she barely came to the door and she was a completely different person. Yeah, yeah and she, Gary, it, talk about the borderline personality disorder part too. Yes, that, that's that, that's the other one. So she definitely had the highs and the lows, and most people who knew her, worked with her, or who were married to her, recognize that borderline personality disorder is, is something different. This comes out of early childhood experiences and attachment issues, and sometimes due to trauma. And and this is this is kind of difficult because because it's it's a it's an interpersonal style. So a person with this disorder would really struggle. In relationships. They'd have a pattern of, of tumultuous relationships, broken relationships. Um, they're very confused. And Marilyn sure certainly did. Yeah, absolutely. And she absolutely. had that other, yeah, she had that I hate you, don't leave me. You know? Yeah, they, and, they alternated that, between extremes of admiration right. towards someone and then hostility if they don't meet the needs. Uh, so if I love you, I hate and, you. And Right and abandonment issues at the yin yang. I mean, that's the so, other so, plant so, of it. That, so, that's so, yeah, so a, let's. Yeah. Uh, for, yeah, frantic um, of, need to avoid any kind of rejection um, right. and, a, and a need to win people over, um, uh, feelings of emptiness, um, uh, confusion about her own identity, which uh, she certainly had, um, feelings of even paranoia, uh, intense overreactions to situations. And, and people would think that she was just suicide. difficult. And the reality yeah. is, is she had a mental a mental illness that was a a big challenge. I'm sorry, I'm I'm going to get to another subject because I we just have such a short time, and we'll we'll break this down in other shows as well. But I really want to introduce, you know, Dana. You've been kind of chiming in here, and Dana Kent, who's the co-executive producer of American Icon as well. But she has a personal story in dealing with it in her life, um, and let's speak to that because we're going to be dealing with the everyday person that is also dealing with uh, bipolar or borderline personality? Well, yeah, it does. It gets real personal here. <laughs> it brings it very much home. And I think that uh, just to make a comment about something um, in the beginning of the story, when, when my daughter was a small child, ironically, I used to call her my little Marilyn Monroe because she had those blue eyes and this beautiful little face. As she developed her bipolar and borderline personality disorder mental illness, it was a correlating factor that as we started getting into all this that I never thought was going to mirror each other, you know? And, and so it makes what we're doing even more meaningful because of that. Let me just make that statement. But back to what we were, talk, we were just talking about with those, you know, uh, uh, you know, identifying those two things. Something Dr. D said earlier that was really, really poignant, and that's the fact that, the, that we don't get to the root issue. And really understanding things and these markers and these, and these, and these, you know, flags that come up, kind of like what you were saying too, Gary. I mean, my feeling about it is that there are very specific things that we can relate between our icon and an everyday person. And this is also going to help them being relatable. For example, my daughter has sleep deprivation like nobody's business. And actually, so did Marilyn. Marilyn took those sleeping pills because she couldn't sleep. And without sleep, you can't function. 
So to get to the root issue underneath it, other than the fact that, you know, docs are throwing meds at you, there has to be a really clear understanding of all the contributing factors. And in, and in my daughter's case, she also has a physical illness. So when you have that and you don't have these doctors talking or you're not looking at the big picture, the whole story of their mental and physical health for, in this case, then you really, really can't even know how to treat it. So, so unfortunately, so, and, and this is part uh, yeah, of the problem. And- Right. <laughs> I was just going to say, and that's why, you know, when I think about that hope picture, they lose hope. They lose hope all the time. The suicide component and, and inviting that, that, you know, invitation sort of in their life is because they just don't know any other way to get out of the pain. It's not really and let's, they want to die. And let's talk about that because um, in the earlier, you know, coming out of this uh, uh, commercial break, I played the, the clip about her looking into the window. And that kind of speaks to that in terms of this hope picture, which everybody thinks that she was looking out the window, um, you know, with Marilyn looking out the window at RKO and thinking that she was, you know, dreaming about her future. Um, but Gary and Dana, do you guys want to talk about that? Because that was an interesting kind of uh, tidbit that you guys had a discussion about. Yeah, we saw it a little differently. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I want Gary to actually chime in on this because, honestly, when he was talking about the childhood experiences that you have and how it does have a contributing factor and adds to your journey in this, it absolutely does. And, and ironically, uh, Gary, can you share that story? So, guys, about, we just have know, a few more minutes because we've got to get a lot in, so let's, let's get this, this in. So just if you can this. speak to that, yeah, that'd Gary, be great. Yeah. Well, but when I was in the orphanage um, where Marilyn was and looked out the window at the RKO um, studio sign, uh, the water tower, and, and she knew that her mother had lived there, I had a profound sense of sadness. And I listened to an interview in which Marilyn said that when she remembered looking out the window, she remembered her mother working at that studio, and now her mother had a psychotic break and was institutionalized, and, and her mother couldn't care for her. She was dropped off there by her guardian, uh, who then went off to marry a man. So she felt completely alone in the world and abandoned, and she had just recently experienced uh, childhood sexual abuse, and there was no one there for her who believed what happened to her or could provide any kind of reassurance. And she was languishing in this orphanage, thinking that her, maybe her mother was dead, her her mother's best friend, who was her guardian, had left her there, and um, she became very despondent as a very young child. And all of those childhood experiences together on a young person, on a developing brain, can have mm-hmm. huge impact uh, on the future. And there's developmental windows, and, and if the needs can't be met for children at that age, the, the window closes, and yeah. so it leaves them with an emptiness and a hole that they feel nothing can fill. So, you okay. know, the, the, the bottom line of this is, is early childhood experiences have huge impacts on the rest of our lives. And so that's why we have to nurture and take good care of our children and, and okay. ensure that they All right. No, I'm so sorry. Need. We've got to get to break here. So we'll, we'll be back and we'll be talking a lot into this, this issue. Um, I have to also, we have a shout out from Tim's story. Want to be able to uh, get him in here. He has a lot to say. He's going to be bringing in the celebrity aspect of this and allowing us all not only from Marilyn's life, but celebrities today to be able to to know that we're all human and we all need that nurturing, like Gary said. So let's hear from uh, Tim. You know, Nita, I'm very excited about the radio show because you're helping people turn their setbacks to comebacks because everybody goes through messy situations. 
but you could turn your mess into a message. But also, Nina, I'm very excited about the movie. Could you imagine really diving into the life of Marilyn Monroe and finding out what she could have done in a different manner to bring different results? I've spent 25 years of my life working in Beverly Hills and Hollywood, helping celebrities turn their setbacks to comebacks. If I could help the likes of a Robert Downey Jr. and help other celebrities come through, I believe we can motivate anybody who's willing to listen. I hope you enjoyed the the show, American Icon. This is our first season about Marilyn Monroe. We're just getting started. I want to thank my guests, Dana Kent, executive producer of American Icon, Randall Libero, executive producer of Voice America Radio, Mike Zipperich, the CEO of America's Rehab Campuses, Gary Vitaco Robles, the lifetimes and films of Marilyn Monroe, Dr. Dittmanson, the chief medical uh, officer of, of America's Rehab Campuses, and of course, you, the Marilyn fans, and the people who need need some help or you have loved ones that need help, please ask for support. Marilyn achieved so much in her lifetime. If she would have had the right resources at the time, she might not have died at such an early age. And it's not too late for you or a loved one. So get help now. I know as Marilyn the humanitarian, she would have loved to have her legacy be more than just being a movie star. She would want to be loved and supported and nurtured just like everyone else does. So until next time, for American Icon Radio, I'm Nina Bosky. For Norma Jean Baker, the orphaned girl with dreams of stardom, life was a tortured path of broken promises and bitter realities. But for Marilyn Monroe, the incandescent star whose image blazed across the silver screen dreams became reality. Hers is the kind of immortality reserved for very few, and it's her tragic vulnerability, her childlike innocence, that will stand the test of time. She's a mythic figure in the culture, a kind of kaleidoscope in which we see ourselves. So I think actually we can learn a lot about ourselves by understanding our feelings toward Marilyn. Glowing essence there. And in spite of everything that had been done, or everything she had done, and everything that had been done to her, it still glowed. I think Marilyn projected all the desirability that a man would want in a woman. But there was a soul there. I can see her soul and her vulnerability, as well as her deep desire to be wanted and loved, and her wit and her humor, and her intelligence. I miss her. I really do. And, and people are losers because she, she left us. I knew I belonged to the public and to the world, she once admitted. Not because I was talented or even beautiful, but because I had never belonged to anything or anyone else.